This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. As beautiful as the scenery was, it was not a pleasant experience because Church Planners Boot Camp is just that. It was a boot camp for people who wanted to plant churches. It was serious. It was hard. It required us to work and to really seek God with what we wanted, what he wanted to do with our lives and what he wanted to do in our church. And I think by the end of that week that we spent, we spent so much time in prayer, so much time in documentation, so much time in seeking God. I'm thinking to myself, man, man, if this is like almost a master's degree, we've, this is what we've done almost the entire time. And it was brutal. It was brutal, but it was great. And if you didn't get an assignment done, I love this about that church planners boot camp. If you didn't get the assignment done, it wasn't like, oh, it's okay, Chad. We understand. You're a church planner. You've got things going on. It's okay. No, they jumped down your throat. They said, well, why didn't you get it done? We gave you enough time. What's your problem? And this wasn't just between us and our coach. This was in front of everybody. So everybody knew what you got done and what you didn't get done, right? This was church planners boot camp because the leaders of that time realized how important it is that we have got to get serious about the things of God if we are going to be leading the church of God. And they wanted us to feel that pressure, to feel the intensity, and they didn't mess around. Planning a church is serious. Some of you have been around here since the, since the beginning of this church, and you remember those years. It's hard. It's hard work, and it takes discipline. But I'll never forget that, that last night in Church Planners Boot Camp, all of us, we had to get up in front of everybody, and this was, this was a large room, and we had to share our vision what God gave us as a pastor to go to into our community in front of everybody. And so I got up, and I started to share, and I got passionate about it, and then I wrapped that vision up, and I'll never forget this, 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 we are coach for that day. He comes running down the aisle, and he gives me a high five. He goes, Chad, that's awesome. Oh, you big hairy dog. I mean, that's so incredible. I love that vision. And I have no idea why he called me a hairy dog. I was doing the bick back then. My head was completely bald. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Clean was I. <laughs> you see, my coach, he was a surfer guy from California. Big six-foot guy. Now, when you see a big six-foot guy running at you, it's a little scary. And it didn't matter what the weather was outside. He always wore shorts and sandals. He loved the beach. It didn't matter how, how cold it was or how hot it was. And he said, he said... <laughs> Man, you big hairy dog leader, that's awesome. I can get excited about the vision God has given to you. You see, vision gets you excited. It gets you pumped up. 
It helps you endure whatever comes your way as a church. It helps you see past what is going on today so that you can keep moving towards tomorrow, towards the vision. The vision is what we're aiming for. So what's our vision here at LCC? Let's read it together. Put it up there. Let's read it together, church. Here it is. Life Change Church. I want to hear you guys. Read it together. Here we go. Life Change Church, where lives are changed to change lives. That's our vision. That's our vision. The vision we have as a church is wrapped around the name that we have. We're about helping people through Jesus Christ get their lives turned around and change. But it doesn't stop there, you see. It says there's a second aspect to the vision statement, right? It says where lives are changed to change lives. Because we believe Jesus doesn't just change us for ourselves. Uh-huh. He changes us to be influencers, a leader, so that he can flow through us to change other people's lives. That's what the entire Great Commission is all about. It doesn't say, hey, become a disciple and be done. Doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture? Huh, huh. It says, go, go, go and make disciples. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you, but then go in the power of the Holy Spirit and go change some other lives and make some more disciples. Be changed to go change. So the vision is what we're after. The vision is what we want to accomplish. The vision is wrapped up in being a 1% church. Now, 1% doesn't sound like a whole lot, does it? It's hard to get excited about 1%. Right? My wife doesn't get excited about when she, if she ever sees a sign, 1% off today at all of your shopping. No. We want to see bigger numbers, don't we? Right? But we believe God is calling us to be just that, a 1% church. God is calling us to reach 1% of this Muskegon County that we live in. How does that translate? Well, there are roughly 173,588 people that live in Muskegon County. So that means our vision is about reaching 1,700 people for Jesus Christ. Now that's something I can get excited about. Right? Anybody with me? 1,700 people, lives being changed, so then they can go and change some more lives by the power of Jesus Christ. Now, how awesome is that when Jesus, when we begin to see Jesus answer that prayer for this church? God, let us be a 1% church. So how do we do that? How do we do this? How do we accomplish this vision that God has given us? Well, that's where our mission statement comes in. That's, that's where these six words come into play. So I want us to read our mission statement together. Here it is. It's behind me. Let's read it. Here we go. We believe we can accomplish our vision best when our church culture encourages and teaches our LCC community to grow in our faith, love others, reach our world, worship our great God, serve with our gifts and talents, and humbly lead. That's how we accomplish the vision that God has given to us. That's how we reach the 1%. Grow, love, reach, worship, 
serve, lead. So a few weeks ago, Pastor Ron talked about, a grow, about growing in our faith, and that's all about maturity, right? That's all about discipleship, right? And if you couldn't make it last Wednesday to our discipleship leader meeting, we have another one this Wednesday for you. And I encourage you, if you are at all curious about what we're doing with discipleship, and if you are all curious about potentially being a leader in our discipleship, I encourage you to come Wednesday at 6.30 and just check it out. If you can't come this Wednesday, come the following Wednesday because we're trying to make it accessible to you. But I invite you, I invite you to be a part of that. Last week, Pastor Ron talked about, talked about the next word in our mission statement, the love word. This is about reaching our neighbors. This is all about reaching our communities we live in. This is about crossing the streets of our communities. Love is so powerful, and it must be part of the ingredients to accomplish the vision that God has for us as a church. And this morning, we are going to talk about another word. We're going to be talking about the word serve. We're going to be talking about the word serve. Now, some of you people who are very orderly people realize that the words are now placed out of order. Pastor Chad, you did something wrong. <laughs> it's going to be okay. We're going to talk about serve today, and it's not the right order. It's going to be okay. <laughs> all right? All right? But what's this word all about? What is this word all about? It's all of us using our gifts and our talents, the things that God has given to us for his purpose. Not too long ago, I started listening to a podcast entitled Cabinet of Curiosity. It's a, it's a hodgepodge of, uh, of various stories from history, and a story is told about a man named Jeremy Bentham. And he was a philosopher by trade and is regarded as the founder of modern utilitarianism. He was born in London on February 15, 1748, and he graduated with his master's from the Queen's College, Oxford, at the age of 18. So this, this dude was a pretty smart dude, right? He was an advocate for separation of church, church and state. He supported equality among men and women and for the abolishment of slavery. He is regarded as the spiritual founder of University College of London and is still regarded as such today. He also lived in an age where it was difficult, believe it or not, to find corpses for medical purposes. At that time, the only bodies that could be studied were prisoners who were executed unless someone specifically willed their body to the medical field. And at the age of 21, that is what Bentham decided to do. And he lived a long and fruitful life after that, making many contributions to many variety, various fields. And then on June 6th, 1832, at the age of 84, Bentham died. He knew his death was coming, and a month before his final breath, he, sent, he, he set out to accomplish two things. The first was his donation of his body to science that he promised over 60 years ago. And sure enough, two days after his death, a group of friends and colleagues got to work, Right? After they did what they needed to do, they took his skeleton and they, they set it aside, but they, they left his head still intact. It was a little gruesome, to say the least, right? But they used a procedure to mummify Bentham's head and to preserve it, but something went wrong in the process because this was all kind of new to them and it just didn't look right. So instead, what they decided to do was, was make a wax, uh, wax replica of his head and then they brought all the parts and pieces together again for Bentham's second project. Bentham built a cabinet prior to his death. 
and uh, set it aside for this very moment. It was large, it was wooden, it was a display case that resembled a lot like a phone booth. Here, here's a picture of it. Let me show it to you. Here's what it looks like, right there. That is actually Bentham. His wax head, but his skeleton is underneath. They dressed it with all of his clothes. They put his favorite chair in there, and it put a favorite suit on him. And all these years later, you can still visit Jeremy Bentham. His wooden cabinet is typically on display in the main building of the University College London. And if all of that isn't crazy enough, on rare occasions, his body is removed so that he can sit on an important gatherings of the college council. They even record his presence in the meeting minutes and his status. His status is this present, but not voting. Yeah, right in the minutes. Can you imagine that? Now, why do I share that story with you? I have been in ministry for almost 30 years now, and, and the volunteer statistic, the serving statistic has not changed, and in reality, it probably has gotten a little worse. All across the Christian church, we have what's called the 80-20 principle, the 80-20 rule. 80% 80 of the work is done by 20% of the church, right? And that's if the church is doing good with this whole idea of serving. Just being honest with you. I haven't crunched the numbers here. Maybe I should. But that's across church lines, across denominational lines, across the big C church. And just like Bentham was present but not voting, I think the church is present but not serving. The church is present but not serving. How, how, can, how can we change that? How can we see value in serving? How can we see value Value in using our gifts and talents that God has given to us. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 25. 2 Chronicles is in the Old Testament. And while you're turning there, let me read to you Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. This is what it says. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Another translation says to equip God's people. To build up, to equip. It is the people, here it is church, it is the people of the body, the people of the church who make ministry happen. Man, there should have been an amen right there. It's not a pastor. It's not a pastoral staff. It's not a place in the building. It's not even the building itself. It is the people that make up the body who make ministry happen. It's not even about one individual. It's not even about leadership. It's about the people, the body of Christ that make ministry happen. It is the first it is first the work of the Holy Spirit, and then it is the people that feel that, and they feel engaged with that. It is the people that make the body up who make ministry happen, church. You see, according to Ephesians, God's people are to be doing works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Granted, it's our job as pastors to equip 
Equip. Equip who? Say me. Equip who? Equip who? Yes. It's our job as pastors. To equip who? Uh-huh. But whose job is it to do the works of service? Oh, good. You catch on. Yes. And you see, according to Ephesians, God's people are to be doing the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So if people are not serving, if people are not volunteering, if people are not doing works of service, one could say, and I would say, that the body would not be able to be built up. Huh. They are present, but not voting. They are present, but not serving. Serving, service, volunteering, being a part of the ministry is all part of God's plan. It is an intentional plan that God has, and he wants you a part of whatever he is doing here. Now, there are many reasons why people volunteer, many reasons why people serve. Some, they, they, they just are very giving with their time. Some others, you know what, they just want to be out of the house. <laughs> what can I do? i got to get out of my house for a few hours. Others, they like, they like to control things. Uh-huh. And still others, they are just gifted and can't help themselves. They're natural leaders, they're natural servants, and they just get involved. Now hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this, church. We have some great volunteers here. Amen? We have great people here serving God. And we have some great servants here. But I want to do three things this morning. First, I want to keep our great servants. Oh, I want to keep you guys. Every single one of you. I want to keep you serving God here. Number two, I invite you, if, if you are not serving, to begin to serve. I implore you to serve him, God, through this church and in this community. And the third thing that I want to accomplish this morning is to give us all a heart check as we serve. In essence, the thing I want to make sure you have is a perfect heart. Now, as I'm writing this and as I'm sensing God telling me to write this, I'm sensing God, that's a pretty tall order right there. <laughs> how do I, how do I, I can't get people to serve, let alone a perfect heart, God? Yeah. That's what's on the agenda today. You know, I came across an interesting story and a verse that I want to share with you with this very topic, and I hope you found 2 Chronicles already, 2 Chronicles 25. I'm not going to read it, but I want to tell you about the story. Amaziah was the king of Judah. He became king at the age of 25 when his father was murdered by officials of his own government. The family was absolutely crushed by this, but did not allow this political coup to take place. They got control of what was going on. And after Amaziah dealt with these people, he knew it was time to clean up the land in order to protect the people from the idolatrous Edomites. He needed to raise an army. He managed to enlist 300,000 men of Judah for the fight, but felt like he still needed more help. So Israel 
You've got to understand at this time, Israel was a divided kingdom in history, and Amaziah agreed to pay to the ten tribes of the king of Israel 100 shekels of silver if they could muster another 100,000 men to join with Judea, Judah in battle. The people of Israel... Here's the problem, though. The people of Israel also became an idolatrous nation. They were worshiping other gods at this point. So, what God do? He sent a man of God. He sent a prophet to Amaziah and commanded him to send the Israelite army back home. If he allowed them to join him in this battle, this man of God, this prophet said, you will lose, Amaziah, if you do this. He had already paid for these men to fight. And you know what? There was not a refund at that time. No Amazon would send it back. (laughs) He paid. It's gone. But the man of God said this to him, the Lord can give you much more than that. Quit worrying about your money and do what God's asked you to do. So Amaziah turned the army around and said to them, hey, hey guys, Go home. Go home. Amaziah then marched his army into the Valley of Salt where he won a great victory over 20,000 men that day. But here's the great tragedy of the story. After God gave Amaziah the victory over this idolatrous Edomites, he brought their very same idols back to the land of Judah and began to worship them. How crazy is that? That's insane. So so there, in essence, is the story. The key verse for us is verse 2, though. I want you to see it. It says this, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And all of us are like, Yeah! He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord! Woohoo! Go on, you get excited. Get excited about that. Yeah! Yeah! He did what was right! Woo! But then it says, But not wholeheartedly. King James Version says, but not with a perfect heart. Huh. Church, friends, family, it is possible to do the right things, but for the wrong reasons. It's possible to serve God, volunteer, and help the church but not wholeheartedly. And I want to encourage you to be servants today. I want to encourage you to be volunteers today. I want to encourage you to volunteer and serve God with a perfect heart. I want to, I want to give you five steps to a perfect heart using King and Messiah and this text as our guide. Here's number one. Let me tell it to you. Serve God even when you feel that you have been wronged. Hmm. As we read in verses 3 and 4, and King Amaziah's credit, he served God even though a great wrong had befallen his family. His father, King Joash, had been murdered, murdered by his own people. Yet Amaziah chose to obey the Lord in his life here. How many times, especially in volunteering, do we feel like we have been wronged? And I bet every single one of us would raise our hand, yep, yep, I've been wronged. How about maybe you feel like you've been taken advantage of? Yep. 
Yep. How many times do we make our decisions based on those feelings and not just simply being obedient to God? A volunteer with a pure heart is going to do it right even when they feel like they have been wronged. Is that easy? No, it's not. It is not easy at all. Is it possible? Yes, it is. It is possible. But here, there's more here. Number two, number two, serve God even when you don't feel appreciated. Even when you feel unappreciated. Huh. Although Amaziah did put to death the servants who had assassinated his father, he obeyed God in not putting to death their entire families. It is doubtful that the children of the spared families fully appreciated this act of kindness on behalf of the, on behalf of the king. You see, the king could have done anything he wanted to do, but he didn't. He refrained. As a volunteer, I'm not sure you'll ever feel appreciated. Can we just get honest with each other? I know I haven't. Uh huh. Why is that? Uh huh. The king, like I said, could have done anything he wanted. I want us to understand this. We as a church, we as leadership, we as pastors, as elders, we strive to appreciate you. We strive to honor you. But even in our attempts, you will be disappointed if you are doing what you are doing, if you are volunteering for what you're volunteering for, to be appreciated. Okay? It goes back to the question of why do we do the things we do? We serve, we volunteer because it is what God has asked us to do and I'm choosing to be part of what he is doing here. We are disappointed and we feel unappreciated and this is true in every area of our lives because we have an expectation of how people should appreciate us, don't we? Come on. Don't we have expectations? We have an expectation of how people should treat us. And when those expectations are not met, which they very rarely are, we will always be disappointed. Volunteer, listen, I'm talking to you volunteers. Take your expectations out of how you think you should be appreciated and you'll see how much you really are appreciated. A volunteer with a pure heart is going to do it right even when they feel unappreciated. But there's more here. Here's number three. Check this out. Serve God even when it does not seem to make much sense. <laughs> Bigger's always better, right? That's the American motto. Right? We like that statement. We Americans believe in that statement, don't we? But God told Amaziah to send home 100,000 soldiers of Israel. The, that, that act of obedience would take away one-fourth of his total army. That doesn't make any sense. The more men we have to fight, the more that we're able to kick some enemy butt, right? And you want me to send 100,000 home? 
But that's not part of God's economy. What did, God, what did Amaziah do? He obeyed. Church, if God is telling you to do something, if God is telling you to volunteer for something, if God is telling you to give something up, if God is telling you to serve, you in your own strength can always come up with enough excuses to not do it. You can. But God in his infinite strength will always come up with enough resources, talent, or whatever the case may be to get done what he has asked you to do. Never forget that, my friends. It's never about talent. It's always about being available and obedience, whether it makes any sense or not. A volunteer with a pure heart is going to do it right, even when it doesn't make much sense. Here's number four. Serve God even if it requires sacrifice. Amaziah would ask the question in verse 9, what about my investment of 100 shekels of silver? The response of the man of God was this, God is able to give you much more than this. Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. You're looking to the wrong way. You see, this verse reveals that Amaziah is much like you and I when it comes to money. He just felt like he had thrown it away. But I love what the man of God says, the Lord can give you much more than that. You see, my friends, the point is not about our money. It's about our obedience in Amaziah. He obeyed God. I know there are volunteers at this church who sacrifice so much of their time, so much of their finances, so much of their blood, sweat, and tears. And our job as volunteers, as servants, is not to look at our sacrifices, how much that we're giving up. Our job is not to compare what other people are sacrificing or giving up. A volunteer, a servant with a pure heart is going to do it right, even when it requires sacrifice on my part. Even when the sacrifice is high. Last but not least, look at this one. Serve God and give him the praise when he has blessed you with the victory. This probably was Amaziah's greatest fault. Rather than giving God the praise for the victory, he bowed down to the very idols that had destroyed his, en his enemies. How, how foolish he was. How arrogant and what a waste of time. You see, Amaziah served the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. He fought hard. He won battles. And I'm sure he was talented in what he was doing. I'm sure he had every right to brag, but it wasn't about him. It wasn't about what he had accomplished. It wasn't about what he was able to do. It is about God. In every situation, you servant, you leader, you volunteer, you may be the most talented person in this room, and if you think you are, you already don't have a perfect heart. <laughs> it's never about you. It's never about what you can accomplish. It's always about what God can accomplish through you. It's always about Jesus. It's always for Jesus. It's always because of Jesus. God gets all the credit, God gets all the praise, and God gets all the glory for whatever he, whatever is accomplished here. A volunteer and servant with a pure heart is going to do it right and give God the praise when he has blessed you with the victory. 
Again, our key verse, back to verse 2, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly, not with a pure heart. If someone were to write a verse about your volunteer life, what would they say? My prayer is that they would say he or she did what was right in the eyes of the Lord with his or her whole heart, with a perfect heart. What would they say about you? Church, many of you are doing a great job in serving and volunteering, but I want to encourage you to make sure you know why you are doing what you do or maybe why you don't do what you're being asked to do or maybe why you don't do anything. But my prayer for us all is that we would learn to serve God with a perfect heart. Here, real quickly, what happens when we serve God with a perfect heart? Check this out. Number one, by serving, you fulfill God's purpose for your life. God's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for, say me. God's got a purpose for? Yes. He has a purpose for you. You were made with a specific purpose and ministry planned for you. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That term, workmanship, is the same word we get the word poem from. In essence, you are God's work of art. You are beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Here's number two. By serving God with a perfect heart, you reflect God's glory. As we serve others, as we serve this community, and as we serve this church, people get a picture of our Heavenly Father. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, our actions, our actions reflect that belief of our heart. We are going to get accused of things, but do you know what? If we're doing good deeds, those accusations will hold no water, and the only thing those accusations will do is point people to God. Isn't that awesome? And here's the third thing. By serving God with a perfect heart, we contribute to eternity. God takes the ministry we do and uses it to influence the course of eternity in the lives of others. A new tribe's missionary is quoted by saying, our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding in something that doesn't really matter. A lot of us are very successful in things that don't really matter. That doesn't have to be the case when we volunteer and when we serve God through his church. Why? Because the church, the church is the hope of this community. The church is the light, is the beacon, is the one that proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is what offers Jesus Christ so that so that. Anyone can have eternal life. When you volunteer for the church, when you clean a toilet for the church, when you mow or weed whack the church, when you rock a baby to sleep, when you do some crazy songs up in the children's ministry, when you rock it out with the youth, when you are in the back making things happen in the front, when you are up here playing instruments or singing songs, when you pray, when you preach, when you're praying with other people, when you're leading discipleship groups, all of that, all of that can be done with a pure heart. And there's so many other things that can be done as we serve. Each of us 
as we serve Him in whatever capacity that He wants us to do. And here's the point. It doesn't matter what we do as long as we're doing something for the kingdom and then allow 1 Corinthians 10.31 to be our goal. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. (laughs) The service that really matters will last for eternity. You didn't know volunteering had so much influence, did you? Yeah. (laughs) Rick Warren said this about serving in ministry. It is more than, than the opportunity of a lifetime. God offers you an opportunity beyond your lifetime. So church, listen, get involved. Stay involved. And let's all have a pure heart working together for the king. You know, when you walked in today, you received the tiniest little puzzle piece you've ever seen in your entire life. (laughs) Some of you have already lost it. You've been around in the church long enough, you've already heard this illustration. You understand what this real illustration is all about, but it is a great reminder of what really takes place. Each of us is a piece of this puzzle, and when we use our gift, when we volunteer, when we serve God through this church, we are completing the masterpiece that God is trying to create here. But when you flippantly say no, when you flippantly leave and say, I'm out of here, when you flippantly do not use the natural gifts, the spiritual gifts, and talents God has given to you, I believe you grieve him. Just like a father looks up on a child and says, oh, my daughter has such a beautiful voice. Will you just sing for me? Will you sing for me? And she says, no. Church, don't say no today. Don't be present and not voting. Don't be like that dead guy who just gets wheeled in and wheeled out. But God's given you something. We need you, church. We want you, church. And if you're not serving right now, there is a place for you, church. Don't. Don't be a a Bentham. If we're going to accomplish the vision God has given to us, we need you to be part of what is happening here right now. You may say, okay, Chad, how do we do this? Well, what are you interested in? Start there. What are you naturally interested in? What has God already gifted you in? Start there. Or what is God telling you to do? Definitely start there. You know, if you go to our website or if you go to our church app, there's a spiritual gifts test that you can take. Start there. Or there's also a button that says volunteer. Push that button and just see what God may show you. Start there. But let us know what you want to jump into because I'm telling you, church, God's got something big 
God's got something great. And I want you a part of the team, not just present, not just present, but involved. You got your boots on. Our children's ministry needs you. Our youth needs you. Worship needs you. Tech needs you. Online church needs you. And we can no longer just be present if we're going to accomplish this vision. The vision is real. The vision is big. The vision is worth the effort. Because lives will be changed for all of eternity. Amen? Heavenly Father, I pray over these, your people today. Oh, Lord Jesus, will you do a good work in their lives? Father, I pray you speak to their hearts right now. I pray, Father, if they don't have a pure heart, a clean heart, God, that they would just stand before you and that they would cry out like David, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. I'm not following a person. I'm not following a pastor. I'm not following a movement. I'm following a Savior. I'm serving him. So, Father, call people into your church to be the hands and the feet. Father, don't let them leave this place without signing up for something, God. They want to be a part of what you're doing here. And then, God, may we be diligent to equip them. God, we equip, God. give us the strength for that. So Father, will you speak to your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you stand and let's just worship him as we close out. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.